0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. The reading this morning is taken from the Holy Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, reading verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love that we are part of a church that does this. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Wow. Let me just move this across. I, I love this. I love that this is part of who we are as a community. Uh, that we're not a church that is content to stay within our building, uh, but, but a church and a group of people who is committed to the outsider, a group of people who are moving into the spaces around them, um, what an inspiring uh, group of people uh, to us as a community. This morning we're going to uh, dive into this passage which Anne so beautifully read for us uh, to see the biblical mandate behind this, uh, why we're a church who believes in this kind of ministry. So would you pray with me uh, and we'll get stuck into God's word. Father, I thank you that you are um, active already in the lives um, of those in, in the neighborhoods and the workplaces and the communities all around us. That you are already at work, Father, and that you call us to follow in your footsteps, in the footsteps of your Son Jesus. Thank you that you have um, glorious plans and glorious purposes that you call us into, that you invite us into that you compel us by Christ's love. And God, this morning I ask that as we sink our teeth into your word, as we are fed by it, as we're fueled by it, as we're shaped by it, that we would each, each one of us, receive a renewed call and a renewed purpose and a renewed identity over our lives, God. Um, Not necessarily a new one, God, but a refreshed one one that is brought to the surface, one that is brought out um, from maybe places we've lost, lost sight of it. God, as Dave prayed before, maybe um, we would hear something that we haven't heard from you in a long time, that you would remind us, Father, this morning of who you've created us to be. We pray all this, God, through the powerful name of your Son, Jesus, through whom all things are possible. Amen. Amen. If we haven't met, by the way, by just by way of introduction, I'm Emily. I'm one of the pastoral team at Northside. Uh, there's a bunch of people here who are newer to our community. It's been such a joy getting to know you over the past uh, weeks and months. And um, we, if you, maybe it's your first time with us this morning, we hope you've received a really warm welcome and are feeling uh, right at home this morning. So we'd love for you to really feel like you can participate in this, um, this moment as we dig into God's Word together uh, with the rest of us. Sam, our senior pastor, kicked off a new series for us last week, 2020 Vision, the church we see and want to be. We want to share with you guys what is on our heart as the church leadership team, what we are praying and dreaming that when people look at Northside in 5 or 10 or 15 years' time, what kind of church will they see? What kind of church will we see? What kind of church do we dream and pray and sense that God is leading us to become? Uh, Last week, Sam shared with us uh, about how God has given his people a ministry and a message of reconciliation compelled by Christ's love. He sends us out uh, to reconcile all people to God, to engage the disengaged uh, with Jesus. And in fact, that's our new vision statement for a church, that when people look at Northside in 5 or 10 or 15 years' time, this is what they would see. They would see a church that is creating communities that engage the disengaged with Jesus because Christ's love compels us. If we are faithful in carrying out this ministry of reconciliation, this is what we dream and believe that we will see. Now you see you see but as Christians we believe that Jesus is the source of life. Yes. We believe that disconnected from him, disengaged from him, is to be disengaged from the source of life itself. If you were to take your... If you probably did this this morning like I did. When you unplug your iPhone from the little socket thing, what happens over time? The battery deteriorates. If you were to take a beautiful flower in the garden that's flourishing and blooming and you chop it off at the stalk, over time, what is going to happen? The colour is, is going to drain. It's going to lose its vibrancy. It's going to start to wilt. That's, that's why we're passionate about engaging people with Jesus because only in him is full and true life possible. And disengagement from him is disengagement from true and full life. And don't we see that all around us in society where there is disconnection from God? We see all the things that are there when life is missing. There's chaos, there's disease, there's disintegration, uh, there's, there's, just, um, there's, a, there's, there's infighting and jealousy and all these kinds of things that are not, not what God has designed for human flourishing. And so we, we are passionate that we would see the restoration of our society through the engagement of people uh, with Jesus Christ who we believe to be the source of life. It's what we're called to as the church of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 verse 19, after Jesus has died and been resurrected and before he goes back to heaven, he gives this call, this mandate to his people, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. That is our call. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation, church. Witnesses to the glorious reality of who Jesus Christ is and who are called... uh, to go and make disciples. Now really the mission of every local church is the same, right? The mission of the church, capital C, is this. Uh, and every church likes to come up with its own mission statement, but really they're just uh, variations on the same one that makes sense uh, to that church's particular DNA and that church's language and what makes sense in that context. And so I'm going to share with you our, our new church vision uh, mission statement. Sam shared our vision statement last year. So I'm going to share uh, what the north side language version of this Great church mission statement is: Are you ready for it? Three of you, excellent, great. I'm going to share it anyway. All right, so come on, get excited. Here's our here's our mission statement as a church: We want to be followers of Jesus, who make followers of Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus who make followers. Of Jesus. That is our mission. That's what we feel called to. And if we are faithful to this call, what we will see in 5, 10, 15 years' time is a church that's creating communities that engage the disengaged with Jesus. This is our mission. This is our call. This is our mandate. Now, if we're going to be faithful to this call, there are two things that we are absolutely going to have to grasp as a community, if we're going to be faithful to, to participating in this with our Jesus, in whose footsteps we follow. Two things we're going to need to be characterised by, two things that are absolutely imperative for us as a community if we're going to be faithful to our call. And they're things without which the mission stalls and the mission fails. We're going to have to be... Are you ready this time? (laughs) Oh, guys, great. Good work. (laughs) We're going to have to be both attracted and attractive to the world both attracted and attractive to the world. We're going to need to be characterised by both moving in and drawing in, moving into the places around us and drawing people in. We're going to need to be, in the language of this passage, in in the words of Jesus, salt which moves in and light which draws in. We're going to need to be moving into places of darkness, just like we've heard so inspiringly this morning with the GLOW ministry, moving into places of darkness and brokenness, making the first move like Jesus did, recognising that we have permission to do so, engaging with people, loving people, active in the renewal of our society. And we're going to need to be so beautiful in our shared life as a community, but that we become irresistible to the world around us because people are so drawn to the beauty and the presence of Jesus in our midst. Because He is beautiful. Do you see how many people if you read read the Gospels, see how many people were drawn to His presence. He's still present in and through His people today. We're to be a people who move in like salt and draw in like light, attracted and attractive to the world. Now, the Bible reading from this morning is taken from a speech that Jesus made uh, for, called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and it's a speech that he made primarily to his followers, uh, and other people were listening into it, but primarily for his followers to teach them about what life looks like living in his kingdom, where he is king, what it looks like to live as a follower of his. And he, it's a—it's quite a long speech. I encourage you to read it. This is a small snippet from it. Uh, and what I found fascinating about this particular passage in preparing for today—that one of the primary things that Jesus is doing in this passage is he is speaking a unique identity over his followers. It's an identity, but the important thing to grasp is it's a unique identity. It's one that is not shared by anybody else. It's one that is unique to followers of Jesus, to be salt and to be light. When you start to follow Jesus, when you start to live life in his kingdom, you get a new identity. Who you are shifts and changes. There's a new identity for you to step into. And before we drill down too much into what that identity is and what that means for the way that we live our lives, uh, I want to ask this question. Why why does Jesus make a statement of identity? Uh, Why does he start... Uh, by, why is his starting point help, to help his followers uh, to recognise who they are in him before they go out and do anything, before they live their lives? Why is a statement of identity uh, the starting point for him? I think as Jesus all the time, he has a very good reason and I suspect that it's because he knows that the mission he will call his people to requires that they know who they are requires that they know who they are. And one of the reasons for that is that you can't stand differentiated if you don't know who you are. You can't be distinct, which is what this mission requires of us, if you don't know who you are. Differentiation <laughs> requires understanding and knowing your identity, knowing what makes you you, knowing what, makes, what sets you apart, knowing that you are salt and you are light. The effectiveness of our mission in the world of being followers of Jesus, who make followers of Jesus, um, requires that we are distinct from the world for the sake of the world. Distinct from the world for the sake of the world. It requires that we are different. It requires that we embody, that we take on, that we step into the reality that Jesus speaks over us and speaks over you and me this morning, that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Imagine if you stepped into that this morning fully, if I stepped into that this morning fully, if we took Jesus at his word and said, Lord, if you said that is true of me, then that must be who I am. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. Can you imagine how it would reframe the way that you live your whole life? If we really took Jesus at his word, if we believed him to be speaking the truth this morning over us. And so I want us this morning to drill down into those two things. What does it mean for us to move in? What does it mean for us to draw in if this is truly who we are? So my prayer this morning for us, as we drill down now into these two, these two connected, unique identities that Jesus speaks over us as his followers, my prayer is that we would be reminded again that Jesus would speak over us again, uh, who we are. Maybe he would draw out of the depths of us, maybe something that we've buried long ago. Yes, this is who I am. This is what I have been purposed for. This is what I've been called for. So as, I, as we drill down into this, as we follow more closely in this passage, would you be asking him, would you be listening to his spirit, God, what is it that you are saying to me this morning? What is it that you are speaking to me specifically about my identity and my part to play in your mission? Is that all right? Can you do that as we, as we go through this this morning? So you are the salt of the earth. What on earth does that mean? It means... I'm glad that was just a spontaneous pun then. Did you guys get it? What on earth? It doesn't. Oh, yes, we got it. All right. (laughs) It means that you have been appointed to move in to arrest decay in the world around you, to be attracted to the world. Let's just remind ourselves of the passage, verse 13 You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Sometimes Jesus is not very subtle. Do you find that? Is it just me? You can really, really be very clear. So in Jesus' time, salt was something that was vitally necessary for life. It's vitally necessary for society. In fact, one commentator said that salt, uh, in Jesus' time, salt saved society. The reason for that is that they didn't have refrigerators, they didn't have fridges, and so what they did to preserve their food, what they did to arrest the process of decay in their food is they put salt into it. They moved salt into it in order to preserve their food and in so doing to preserve society. You are the salt of the earth. Do you see where he's going with this? You are the salt of the earth. Who you are, follower of Jesus, what you are purposed for is to move in to arrest decay in the society around you. That is quite mind blowing that that's who we are and what we are purposed for. Never say that following Jesus doesn't give you a meaningful life. (laughs) That is remarkable. To engage, to influence, to stand against injustice, to love, to be present in the midst of brokenness, to be present in the midst of pain, to be a mitigating presence against falsehood and against corruption and against evil and against disease and anything that's the result of disengagement from God, disconnection from God. Followers of Jesus, this is who we are. We are the ones who follow in the footsteps of Jesus, who didn't he? Overall, he moved in to our society, to our world. He became human. He gave up the glory of heaven and moved into the neighborhood. He moved into people's lives and once and for all arrested the decay of society by making new life possible for us, making it possible for us to, to plug back into that metaphorical PowerPoint of our metaphorically iPhone lives. <laughs> He moved into the neighborhood to make all of this possible, and we are called to follow in His footsteps and continue what he started. Now knowing who you are and living out of that identity, uh, it's vital for God's mission in our world, because knowing who you are enables you to be distinct. And what the world needs is for us to be different. You know, the people in your lives need your compassion, which is possible only because you know Jesus, a depth of compassion like that. The people in your lives need the hope that you carry. They need the wisdom that, you, that, that is accessible to you through Jesus. They need your patience. They need the light that you carry. The world needs you to be different. You have a unique identity as being salt, and the world needs salt to be salt. The whole mission of God hangs on salt being salt and light being light. Now, if you were to take salt and mix it with sand, it actually loses its effectiveness as salt. Something happens to its properties. If you were to rub it on some meat or whatever, it would no longer be effective for preserving that meat, for, for arresting the process of decay. So in a sense, to lose your saltiness was to lose your identity to lose your distinctiveness, it's to compromise on who you are in Christ. As Christians, we must be distinct in order to be effective because we reveal God's glory to others. We give people, we offer people the hope that is possible in Jesus when we are true to who we are in him and choose not to compromise. um, Some of you know that I I like to think of myself as a writer. Now, I want you to help me make up my mind whether I am or not. So here's the situation. I did an undergraduate degree in writing when I was first at media semicolon writing when I was straight out of school. Uh, I love to write. I love it a lot. A wonderful experience. I do okay. I'm relatively good at it. Do I write? No. (laughs) We can process that later. Now... Now, if I am somebody who is capable of writing, if I've got it within me but I don't do it, am I a writer? No. no. Uh, th- thank you. <laughs> that was very quick. <laughs> but I agree. I agree, no. If I, if I have the capacity to be a writer but I'm not doing it, no, I'm, I'm not a writer. If you are a piece of salt who hangs out in a salt shaker with other pieces of salt... Trying to make this salt shaker look like a really cool salt shaker. Are you salty? Are you doing what salt is purposed for? Well, it depends if you ever get out of the salt shaker or not. Do you see the point? If a writer isn't a writer until they write a a piece of salt is not salty until it moves in until it's put to its purpose, until it's applied, until it is doing the work of arresting decay in the society around us. How salty are you? How salty are you? Bob Goff said this. Each of us gets to decide every day whether to lean in or step back. To say yes Ignore it or tell God why he has the wrong person. (laughs) Can you imagine if every Christian in Sydney told God why he had the wrong person? That would be tantamount to removing all the Christians from Sydney. Now, hopefully that makes an impact. Well, hopefully it wouldn't make an impact, but you see my point. I hope that by being in Sydney, Christians are having an impact on our city I hope that if we were to remove all the Christians from Sydney, that, that we would see that there has been some impact, that we are engaging, that we are being salty. How salty are you? What areas of brokenness or pain or disconnection are you moving into? What areas are you ignoring or telling God you don't want, he's just got the wrong person? Or it's too—it's it's inconvenient, and it always is inconvenient. I was convicted this week. I bumped into one of my neighbours down at the washing line, which is right next to the bins. Isn't that like really? Anyway, anyways, this just does not make sense to me. But anyway, we were at the bins slash washing line, and she started telling me about this thing that had been happening in her life over the last couple. I just said, "How's the start to your year been?" And all this stuff came out, and I thought, and I said to her oh, I wish I'd known, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, she's my literally my next-door apartment neighbour. I thought, I had no idea. I've been so challenged this week. How, how much am I moving in? Like, I live in the building, but have I really moved in if I don't even know what's going on in the apartment next door to me? How salty am I? How salty are you? How much are we moving in? How much are we being inconvenienced? Is there one disengaged person in your world, disengaged from Jesus, who you could start intentionally engaging? There is only one group of people who can truly be salt in a decaying world, and that's the followers of Jesus, because we are the ones who are connected to the life source. Now, this is not a guilt trip. Can I, let me just be clear about that. This, this is a call forward into who we are. This is a statement of your identity and a call to step forward into it for the sake of the world, because if we don't do it, nobody else is going to. Nobody else holds this identity. Nobody else is able to be salt in this world. We are the, We are the ones that God has sent for this purpose. You follow. And so if being the salt of the earth means being attracted to the world around you, what does it mean to be light? What does it mean to be light? It means that you have been appointed to shine so brightly and so visibly that people recognise God in you and in us as a community and are drawn to him, that find him irresistible and just want to be a part of what is going on because they can see Jesus in our midst. Come with me to verses 14 to 16. Uh, you are the light of the world. A town built, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The first thing that strikes me about this passage is the call to be visible in our Christianity, visible in our following of Jesus. Isn't it so tempting to not want to be visible? Firstly, we all know, none of us need convincing that Christianity does not have a good name in our society at the moment. It is tempting for us to say, no, I don't, I don't want to be identified with Christ because I don't want to be identified with what some of his followers have done. But do you see the distinction? You can choose to remain identified with Jesus Christ while choosing to call this evil. The world needs for us to maintain our identification with Jesus Christ because they need, the world needs salt and needs light, needs salt to be salt and needs light to be light. And so we are called to be visible, to let Jesus' light shine in and through us for the sake of our world, to not hide away but shine visibly. If we hide ourselves, we hide the light of Jesus that he has deliberately put in us for the sake of the world. Now, because that is scary. What I also love about this passage is that Jesus makes it clear that this is not something we're to do on our own. This is a community effort. What is a what is a city on a hill, do you think? It's a collection of lights. Shining brightly together. This is not one lone light off somewhere, shining a light. This is a, this is a collection of lights, a constellation of lights, a beautiful... Imagine if you were lost in, lost in the wilderness somewhere and you saw up on a hill, if you're bushwalking and you went off track, and you saw up on a hill a light shining brightly... If you were experiencing the hopelessness um, of disengagement from the source of life and you saw a beautiful shining bright, is there not something about that that would draw you towards it? would draw you in, that offers a sense of hope, that offers a sense of of hope of purpose, a hope of destiny, a hope that there might be something more to life, that I might actually be okay, that draws you in towards it. That's what we're called to be, church, a city on a hill, each one of us shining the light of Jesus together so that he might be made more beautiful, that people would see him uh, more clearly. What I love about this is that everyone gets to play John Wimber said that many years ago. Everyone gets to play when it comes to the body of Christ because we are just that, the body of Christ. Jesus was here, a physical, historical figure 2,000 years ago. And now he is still physically on earth, except that it looks different. We are now his body on earth and he lives within us by his spirit. And he's given, to, he's given different gifts and abilities and talents and personalities and resources to each one of us so that each one of us might take what he has given, given to us and add our light to the city, so to speak, play our part. Can you imagine if this body which is of Christ, which is made up of hands and feet and, and eyes and inner ears, which are hidden and no one ever sees, but actually you keep us steady balance? Can you imagine if, if any one of those parts wasn't playing its part, how the, how the reflection of Jesus would be diminished as a result? Imagine if the inner ear of the body of Christ wasn't working because it said, no one notices me. Can you, how we'd be off! We would be totally off balance. If you, can I just say as well? If you feel like the inner ear of the body of Christ this morning, thank you for being the inner ear. We desperately need you. You keep us upright. You keep us balanced. Thank you. Each one of us has an indispensable part to play as a, as participating in community, shining our light together in community. It's what makes Jesus attractive. As we shine our lights together. You know, why do you think people who have never been to church before or people who haven't been to church in a long time come along to Northside on a Sunday morning and come back again? Like, really? What, like, I think it's probably because I mean we're pretty ordinary amongst us. Like, let's just be real. There's nothing special about us here, but there is something special about the presence of Jesus. There is something special about a group of a diverse people who love one another, who use their money in radical ways, who choose to get along and sit alongside each other and be inconvenienced for the sake of each other, and visit each other in hospital. There is something remarkable about that, and that's not us. We are not remarkable. Jesus is remarkable. He's beautiful. He makes makes communities beautiful and he makes us shine beautifully. That, that's why people come back, because people sense this light that is at work in and amongst us, the presence of Jesus. Just like his own life 2,000 years ago when he lived physically on this earth, all kinds of people gravitated to him because he is so attractive. People wanted to be near him. People wanted something of him to rub off on them and they just wanted to be near Jesus. And the same dynamic is possible today and in fact, it's what we're called to. We are called to be attractive to the world, that we would be a city on a hill, but it requires that each one of us play our part. It requires that everyone plays. Everyone gets to play, but that leaves it open, open to, for you to decide, am I going to play? Am I going to play my part? Am I going to participate in community? For you, that might be choosing to serve, to say, hey, this is what's in my hand. I would love to play a part in this community. I'm going to start to serve in some way, have a conversation with somebody. It might be to say, hey, I I recognize that if I want to be grown, I have to let myself be known, and so I'm going to join a community group. I'm going to enter deeper into community. It might be to say, hey, I'm going to start giving financially and investing into this church community because I believe in it. Whatever it is, is there, some, is there some way for you this week that you can choose to participate more fully in community, knowing that the more fully each one of us participate, participate, the more beautifully we reflect Jesus to those around us? The more fully people see a picture of who Jesus is when they see his body fully operational. Perhaps you're somebody who is very attracted to the world. You're out there doing amazing things, but for you participation in community is the tricky thing. Maybe you're really participating in community so well and you love other salt so much that you hang out with the other salt in the salt shaker and you're having the best time. <laughs> but maybe maybe it's time to come out of the salt shaker <laughs> and move in to the world. Where is it where where do you sit? Where's the tension point for you this morning? Is God calling you to move in or is God calling you to participate more deeply in community so that we together can draw in more fully? This is who we are, church. We are salt and we are light. We are purposed to move in and to draw in, to be attracted to the world and attractive to the world. This is the kind of church we see and want to be. One that is arresting decay in our city, moving into areas of brokenness, and one that has such rich and beautiful community life that people simply gravitate to the presence of Jesus in our midst. Now, this is not a guilt trip. This is a call to engage, to let Jesus speak, This remind you of this identity of who you are. You are salt and you are light. And it's, a, it's an invitation to step into that, to take that up once again to take one next step this week, to step into that identity, to live out um, of who he says you are uh, this week. And so the ball's in your court, Christian. What's one thing you can do this week to either move in more fully or participate in community more fully? If you're not a Christian and you're listening in to this message uh, Firstly, welcome. We're very glad that you're here. There are always a number of people uh, who are journeying with us at Northside who don't call themselves followers of, of Jesus, who don't call themselves Christian. And we are so glad that you're part of our community. And we believe, we believe that you are part of our, of our community. And I, my hope and prayer is that this morning has been interesting and helpful and maybe in some way reframed who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of his. In a moment, we're going to take... Communion, uh, which is an opportunity for us to reflect. You know, I believe, and I know many of us here believe wholeheartedly, that the Word of God, this, this book, the Bible, this is, this is God promising to speak to us and to shape our hearts and our lives. And when he speaks, uh, he, he wants to hear a response from us, I believe. It's, it's powerful to shape our lives. And so I'm going to make some space after this for us to respond to him for me to shut up and stop talking and, and let you have some space for, with just him, to, let, to just hear directly from him and sit with him and respond to him. And so for followers of Jesus, come to the front or to the sides. Um, take communion. This is, as you remember, the one who made all of this possible, Jesus, by his life, his death and his resurrection, that he made it possible for us to be reengaged with Jesus so that we can then take up the mantle to continue his mission of engaging others with him arresting decay in the society around us and shining his light. If you're not a Christian, would you use this space to reflect, to just enjoy some some quiet, uh, to, to reflect and contemplate and consider? And um, Some of us will be up the back. We'd love to pray with you if God's been challenging you about something. We believe that he is powerful and prayer is powerful to shift things and circumstances and our hearts. We'd love to be praying praying for you. So I'm going to pray for us now and then we're going to enter into a space that's just space for you, unhurried space. For you and God. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have spoken to each one of us this morning. And I want to ask that in these moments that follow, when words are few, that you would continue to speak, that you would help us to respond to your voice that you would shift our hearts and our minds, God, and um, bend our knees if we need to bend our knees before you, and that you would mobilise our feet and our hands, God. So Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us in in this moment? Come and change us from the inside out, God. In Jesus' name, amen. In your own time, come forward.